when you have people by your side, you have someone that can share the appreciation that you're feeling in the moment. And I almost enjoy sharing a moment with somebody more than just a moment by myself. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Cooper Hadaway, who worked at Signal Mountain Lodge last season. How are you doing today, Cooper? I'm pretty good, man. It's my day off and the sun is shining. So yeah, it's, it's good. Signal Mountain Lodge, that's in uh, Jackson, Wyoming, Jackson Hole. And yep. what was wh- what's your job there? I am the courier or town courier, and I am responsible for basically all the town runs between the lodge and the town of Jackson, since we're like... 30 some miles north of it and uh you know anything that comes to town or comes from town pretty much goes through me i got to do a lot of driving a lot of sightseeing and a lot of networking it's really cool now what does that season run is that say april to october yeah for me um i i come earlier than a lot of people and i stay later than a lot of people with the exception of the year-round upper management staff but yeah late april to uh late october but the lodge is only open from mid-may to mid-october so there's still you know a bunch of stuff to do on the shoulder season there and how many seasons have you worked there this past summer was season three in the say the heat of the season what's a typical day for you typical day for me clock in have like little meeting with the maintenance department I got like a pep talk from our boss, Danny, and I kind of like figure out what maintenance needs there. Since that's my department, they're pretty much my top priority. Um, And then I check on like which recycling trailer needs to go to town because we recycle everything that we can in the national park. And then depending on if I'm going to have to take a trailer or not, that plays out the day. Like sometimes I got to make two trips to town, two trailers, and then I have to check the uh, demolition pile and see if there's construction demo to take. When I check in with all the departments and see what everybody needs, if anything needs to go to town, and then I get in my truck, hook up a trailer, go to town, drop off the deposit, then my first stop is always the recycling center. Got to empty stuff from the trailer because um, I need to be able to drop the trailer at our sister company, Mad Rivers um, headquarters. Because yeah, if you've ever been to Jackson in peak season, it's just crowded in traffic and there's no place I could ever park a trailer hooked up to my truck. From there, yeah, I'll either go to the dump, empty out the truck, and then just start running errands. Almost every day I go to the hardware store, the lumber yard. I pick up coffee for the restaurant, you know, the paint store. Basically just start running errands and getting everything the lodge needs. And then at the end of the day, I go grab my trailer and I drive back to town. So it's really cool. I like I have this like window of about an hour's worth of driving time at the beginning and end of my day. And it's just driving through the national park and, you know, giant mountains 
all around in my field of vision and the mornings are especially cool. I think that's my favorite because the Alpen glow is just hitting the Teton range and it just, it's just so freaking beautiful. Are you listening to music while you're doing this? Yeah, I listen to, it's weird. I kind of listen to the same stuff all the time. Like, uh, pretty much every day I listen to the self-titled third eye blind CD and sometimes more than once I listen to grateful dead. I, last year I did podcasts. I, I listened to like old time radio podcasts. Like there's this one called Gunsmoke, and it's what the TV show was based off of. So I, I like that. And then, you know, like some old country, like David Allen Coe or Marty Robbins. And, and then other times I, I just, it's almost like I forget to listen to music and I'm, I'm just zoned out, like looking at the mountains and driving and thinking and reflecting on life. Yeah. That area is just gorgeous and you're seeing it at the best times of the day yeah like every single day it's pretty cool i had to laugh when he said uh third eye blind i've been listening to their greatest hits you know that's like probably number one or two in my rotation from that album what uh what are a couple of the ones that that hit for you when you're looking at those mountains driving through that uh man i really like uh losing a whole year I mean, just it's it's so interesting. The first half of the album, especially like losing the whole year to narcolepsy, then to semi charm life, you know, jumper, then to graduate. Uh, thanks a lot. Pretty much the whole album is just, I think, one of the most beautifully composed albums ever. So yeah, I'll, you know, of course, th- uh, semi charm life, easily one of the best, most uplifting songs from the '90s. So I, I you know. I really turn it up when that comes on and I'm just like feeling in the moment, like I'm living the best life I could ever live. Is there anything that you do before you start your work day? Like, do you have a a morning routine that, that you go to every day or is it kind of just jumping out of bed, the usual, and then get right in the truck? Yeah, I think generally it's just jumping out of bed, brushing my teeth, shaving, because we got a shaving policy in our department. Sometimes if I have enough time, I'll, I'll run down to the employee dining room, fill my Nalgene up with like Gatorade or make an Arnold Palmer, grab some water, and then pretty much just jet on into work. Not really a breakfast eater. Sometimes in uh, the early season, I'm always excited to get back to the employee dining room and not have to cook food for myself. So I will wake up and go eat breakfast, but generally I'm just yeah rolling out of bed, take a shower, whatever and go down to the maintenance shop and just clock in and start going. It sounds like throughout your work day, other than the the pep talk in the morning, you're kind of uh, unsupervised. It's just you out there. What are some of like the, the pros and cons that come with that? I guess the pros are that I can pretty much do whatever I want. Although like I don't necessarily do that. Um, like they let me run my own errands while I'm in town on the clock. So I never have to spend my own gas money to drive into town. So that's, really cool. I guess, but a con is like, uh, a lot of times I can't, sometimes I need a question answered or I need like authorization or approval to buy something or to make sure I'm getting the correct part for a specific project in town. And I try calling back up to the lodge or, you know, somebody's cell phone and cell phone service is really spotty in areas of the park. So I, I can't get immediate assistance sometimes, even though it doesn't really hold me back so much. I'll just like make a judgment call. But yeah, I think that's probably the only real con of being by myself 
except for the fact that while I'm in town by myself all day working by myself with vendors and business owners, all the other seasonal workers are like up at the lodge working, kind of bonding. And, you know, I, I come back, there's a bunch of hot gossip. And it's like I kind of miss out on a day, a work day in the park. So sometimes I do wish that I was up at the lodge the entire time. Yeah, you're sort of detached in a way. Oh, sounds totally. Like, sounds like that's a good trade off, though. I mean, you know, being out there and interacting with everybody in town and being able to go and do what you want in your own yeah. schedule. Because if I was, for instance, if I was up in the park working all day, I'd probably be working a normal eight hour work week, having to deal with coworkers, good ones and bad ones, and not being able to just run things the way I run them. But like with my job description, when I'm done, I'm done. So if I prioritize and set myself up and I'm done at like 1.30 in the afternoon, like back and everything's unloaded, I'm good. And my boss will let me off. I can just go down to the beach, hang out, have a margarita, go swimming and really make the most of my afternoon. So I, I really, I, yeah, I really love that aspect of the job. And being up, you know, the Grand Tetons at this beautiful place, and once you're off work or, you know, your weekends, your days off, I'm sure it's just incredibly rewarding. What, what are some of your favorite activities to do when you're not working? And give me, a, give me some highlight stories. That's right. So on a broad, for, for like a broad spectrum of, of like ideas of what I like to do, the main thing I like to do is go camping. Every weekend, I'm going camping. Thursday night, trucks packed up. Friday, as soon as I'm clocked out, we're going. And that includes like chopping down trees, collecting firewood, taking my canoe out on lakes and rivers, catching fish, you know, just hanging out with your best friends, cooler full of beer, bunch of chorizo, all the food that we can eat, and probably, well, usually more food that we can eat. I guess like some of my favorite camping trips ever have been when. Uh, we go to this place called Lydie Lake, which is at the base of this mountain called Mount Lydie, who uh, named after Joseph Lydie, who was a paleontologist back in the day. And there's this like glacially carved out bowl at the bottom. We're in the saddle next to the mountain where Lydie Lake is. And we just call it the Lydie Bowl. And it's so pristine. There's hardly ever anybody else up there. Wildflowers fill the meadow. And we just go up there and, and it's it, it's a place where I feel like I could live i would be so happy to build a cabin there and you know weather is so unpredictable and that really affects camping in the mountains to some extent and we don't let anything hold us back people be telling us friday like oh it's supposed to storm don't go out in those mountains and sure enough we go out anyway have a giant fire it'll snow a little bit nothing to seriously accumulate and you know hamper our camping inhibitions and um but yeah, I, I just remember sitting there like it's snowing. I'm with all the boys. We're just yelling and screaming and we take our shirts off. We're just getting snowed on and hanging out around the fire. And that's definitely a memory that I'm never going to forget. And then, you know, even though I live in Jackson Hole and in the Tetons and the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, Wyoming is such a cool and diverse state. So we like to go and explore the rest of it. Like there's this place we go to called Thermopolis and uh, it's not to make it sound bad, but it's kind of like a trashy Yellowstone. It's, it's so cool. There's 
uh, giant travertine terraces with hot springs, like at Mammoth Hot Springs in Yellowstone. But then they're also businesses that have tapped into them. So they have this place called the Star Plunge that we go to. And it's like, if you could imagine a cross between a bowling alley, hot springs, and a public pool, it has everything like bowling alley lighting out front. And we, we drive three and a half hours to go to this place and go down the water slide and hang out in the hot springs. While we're there, we camp at this ghost town that's a little ways north of it called Jibo. Super cool place. And, you know, we have like one big beginning of the year. It was town camp trip at the end. And we were out there. We climbed this uh, rock escarpment by the ghost town where um, we were camped. And we get up there to this peak where there's a bunch of Rocky Mountain juniper and limber pine trees. And we're looking around at this like stone that's kind of eroded. And we see something that's carved in there. Uh, it's it's hard to make it out. We're like figuring out what the letters are. And finally splashed some water on it and can put it all together. And it said, Kit Carson, 1865, you know, famous frontiersman from back in the day, like Jim Bridger and, and all that. One of those guys who just was like well-known throughout the West traveled everywhere and we were wondering like is this real you know is, is it, did somebody just do this as a prank make this carving recently so i went and i, I started could find found pictures of other rock carvings that kit carson had done throughout the years and it looked like he drew or carved his name the same way each time next to the date mainly being that there was heavy emphasis on the arson part of his last name without the sea, like he, he carved that part in deeper. So, um, I think that was probably one of the coolest things that I, like, that was just such a good camping trip. It was everything I wanted. Yeah. More. That that's wild finding that. Like who knows if anybody else has ever seen that up there besides, you know, Kit Carson and whoever were, whoever was traveling with his party back then. So yeah, that's definitely a special moment. I'll never forget. So what are your winters like? My winters are crazy. Um, before, well, let's see. After my first summer at Signal, I thought I was one and done. And I went back to Bend, Oregon to go back to working at the Whole Foods as a butcher, thinking I'd resume normal life. And two months into it, I was just losing my mind. I, needed, I, I knew that I needed to get back to Signal Mountain. So made my plans, came back there, and I'm still here to this day. But now what I've been doing for winter is I work for our sister company, Scenic Safaris, which you could maybe consider that seasonal work. The the winter gig is definitely seasonal because we operate in Yellowstone. We do uh, snowmobile tours and snow coach tours of Yellowstone since the roads aren't plowed and cars can't get in there and you need to go with a guide. We take people in to the backcountry Yellowstone every day and there's so much snow it's so cold it's such an extremely harsh environment but we're still operating in it so yeah pretty much every day of the winter I'm just going up into Yellowstone taking people on tours and it's it's, it's freaking awesome it's it's really demanding Man, uh, weather aside I have to work at least like six days a week uh, with one day off and then you got to be at work at five every morning and then you're usually not done work till like six, six thirty, And sometimes later at night, 
So it's pretty much just wake up at four in the morning, get ready, go to work, grind it out, come back late, go to sleep and do it over again. And that's for basically three months. Yellowstone's only open in the winter for over snow travel for three months. So I just like really been busting my ass that whole time. And it's, it's awesome. I'm so excited to do, do it again this winter. And that's, so you're waking up before the sun comes up and then yeah. you're finished working after the sun's gone back down. Yeah. It's, it's so gnarly. It's such an extremely demanding job, but it's, it's really rewarding and it's really fun. What's your day to day for that? Uh, wake up at like 4.15, 4.20, get in my truck, check the weather, see how much snow is accumulated overnight. And then I got to drive down. I live up this gnarly hill on a dirt road that is just so bad. So you got to like navigate the hill to get down sometimes with chains, drive 15 minutes to get into Jackson to our headquarters in town. And then you start like looking at your trip manifest um figuring out where your pickups are you got to get your uh we have these like coach vans called davy coaches that we use for picking people up or our clients you got to go like dig that out of the snow you got to get it warmed up you know make sure it's nice and tidy in there and um kind of just take that time to finish waking up preparing yourself for the day load up your gear um and then from there you start picking up your clients whether that be in Teton Village or in the town of Jackson. And usually your first pickup is at six in the morning. Sometimes it's a big group. Sometimes it's just small groups, like couples from different hotels. So you make a bunch of stops in town and then you drive another hour and a half north, or I guess the first hour and a half of this journey, north to Flag Ranch, which is at the south boundary of Yellowstone. And that's where we have our um, headquarters in the north all the snow coaches are put there all the snowmobiles are stored there all our suits and helmets and boots i let people go in eat breakfast because we give them a breakfast buffet and i, I get like this either the snow coach ready which can either be like a bigfoot which has monster truck wheels on it or a mat track which is a van with four independently moving tracks in place where the wheels go get that ready or go get the snowmobiles ready and go and get your people and then you take them up in a yellowstone and we go to old faithful that's our most popular tour that we do and it's at least an hour and a half from there uh from flag ranch to old faithful depending on how many stops you make and that depends on the weather some days it's a beautiful bluebird day and you can make all the stops you want because you can see far and see other mountain ranges um, and then some days it's just snowing so much that so you can't see anything. So you focus more on looking for wildlife like buffalo or um, exploring other thermal basins north of uh, where Old Faithful is located. And so you, you do all that. You take them on tour. You take pictures. I'm not just acting as a tour guide to tell these people information. I'm like there to show them a good time. So I, I try to like instantly relate with people from the get-go make them happy make them feel important and i you know i have a good time i get to meet like 10 to 12 new people every single day and hang out with them and drive this gnarly vehicle in yellowstone and make people's dreams come true so that's really cool but then we got to make our way back down to flag ranch after serving a lunch you usually get the flag ranch around 3 3 30 to 4 and uh or sometimes earlier usually earlier and then you got to 
go through the process of getting them back to town, which uh, honestly getting to and from town can be really scary sometimes because the stretch of highway that is the only stretch of highway that connects the town of Jackson to everything North, like the town of Moran, uh, the Tetons and Yellowstone park gets really bad snow drifts and like they'll shut the highway down sometimes. So I've gotten stuck up North with my guests. So the first time it was for one night and uh, it was about 150 of us guides and guests that all had to spend the night at flag ranch, which uh, is normally shut down with the exception of a restaurant and like the general store that, uh, you know, they keep open for us. So then it's like all these people have to find blankets and sleeping bags and cots. So all these people can sleep in the lobby of the main lodge and then go open up their employee housing. That's normally shut down for the winter. Um, and that's pretty atypical, but then like this past winter, the road got shut down um, for like four days. So everybody missed their planes. Uh, it, it was just gnarly. Like we had to go find lodging for them elsewhere than flag ranch. Cause flag ranch was running out of supplies. And it was just, I guess it was like, it was pretty gnarly. It was a huge storm that lasted like a week. Nobody had ever seen the road shut down for that long. So you just, you know, try to keep your guests informed, bide your time and keep checking in on whenever they say they're going to open the road. Yeah, it was definitely an anxious time, but I found ways to make it pass. Like I went to signal mountain lodge and just help them shovel snow off the roofs but yeah besides that craziness the end of a normal day is just getting people back to their hotels shaking hands and uh yeah sending them on their way tell them enjoy your vacation come back see us soon then i go back to the office in town get in my car go home eat a little bit of food drink a beer or two pass out and do it all over again yeah, that sounds like a full day, especially if, if you get stuck. So these people, I mean, the the big highlight of their day is Old Faithful. But I, I the pictures I've seen are are not the winter pictures. I don't think I've I've seen like I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it. I think during probably the summer. What are you seeing when you're there in the winter? Uh, well, one thing you're not seeing is people because so it's it's so hard to get in Yellowstone. There's so few people that go there. Normally, if you go in the summer, you're going to be standing there by Old Faithful with thousands of other people watching it. And in the wintertime, you're with maybe a couple other hundred people. There's lots of snow. The thermal features are a lot steamier in the wintertime because you got this hot air coming directly in super cold, frigid winter temps. Not many animals because the environment is so hostile. A lot of things like you know, moose and the elk all leave but the bison stick it out in the thermal basins since there's less snow there they can they can make it so you see some bison walking around most of the facilities in yellowstone are closed in the winter time so you don't really see that many people they just have the snow lodge that's open um year round and people will go like they'll have us charter them in instead of taking them on a full tour we'll just take them into we'll just give them a ride to the snow lodge and people will rent rooms or cabins there and stay for a couple days, uh, cross-country skiing and snowshoeing around Yellowstone. So you'll see a lot of that. Yeah, sometimes it's snowy and you don't see anything. And sometimes it's clear and you can see you know, all, all the way over frozen Yellowstone Lake, the Absorca Mountain Range, um, 
sometimes pine martins, bald eagles, trumpeter swans, otters, coyotes, foxes, waterfowl. But generally, the lack of people that you would normally see in the summertime, I think, really makes Yellowstone magical in the winter, not to mention the snow. So it sounds like you have two awesome jobs that you're definitely passionate about that you go, you know, season to season back and forth from. Where did this all start? Like, when did you, because I I think you realize, because you're taking tourists and normal people out all the time, that you realize you're your life is very different than I would say like the normal person working nine to five or whatever near their hometown, blah, blah, blah. But where, where did that start? Where did your path diverge from theirs and become this, you know, season to season, awesome thing? Well, um, I guess several years ago would, would be the easy answer. I was living a normal or what I probably call a normal life working my job as a butcher at Whole Foods. And then I ended up like, so I, before that, I did that for a couple of years. But before that, I had a full-size school bus that I converted into an RV. And I just traveled the country in my school bus. Fast forward to me being all housebroken and living a normal life. I hadn't used the bus in like a year. So finally, like, all right, I guess I'll sell it. And sold it. Bought a bunch of backpacking gear. And... Me and my girlfriend at the time and my buddy took this road trip out. We were going to do two weeks in Yellowstone and the Tetons. And uh, during that vacation is when I found Signal Mountain Lodge. Like we checked out all the other places in the Tetons after we'd stayed up in Yellowstone and decided that Signal Mountain was the nicest and had the nicest campground. So I stayed there or we stayed there and that was like the highlight of my trip was staying at that campground in the Tetons and going to Spring Lake and canoeing and picnicking. And while I'm there, I'm, I was like kind of a fixture of the place. So I just start talking to the employees, like asking them like how they do this. Like, do you guys live here at this lodge? Like I, I have, like, how do you do this? I have like a job and a house and insurance and a cat back home and I met this dude, Andrew Weedmeyer, and he just like kind of scoffs or shrugs like, yeah, I don't have that. And it's just like happy, perfectly content here at Signal Mountain Lodge. And um, I went back and after the vacation, like, holy shit, I'm just like thinking I just couldn't get this place out of my head. Then we found out that my girlfriend's cousin used to work there and talked to her about it. And she said, just name drop me and you can get a job there. And we just like, after thinking about it, we're like, all right, you know what? Let's just move out of this house in the woods that we live in and go get jobs and live in the national park and work at signal. And, um, yeah, it was a big move. Had to find people to watch our cats, had to get rid of so much stuff, had to sell one of my cars. I had to find a place to store all my rifles. I had, it was like a huge, like it was another, like I was uprooting myself and, making a huge life change, even though I intended on moving back to Bend and getting my same job back. But it was just a huge decision. It was like letting go of so many things. And um, we did it. We did the one year and then moved back to Bend, got my job back, thinking I'd go back to living a normal life. And yeah, I I just went crazy. After two months, I was burnt out on that job. I had like, and it probably didn't help that Every single wall in my apartment had uh, just posters of like Yellowstone, Grand Teton National Park. So I'm just constantly looking at a picture of something 
that was just constantly in my face so much that it even desensitized me a little bit when I was out here that summer. And I just like, man, I, I, I gotta go back and decided I want to be out here for the rest of my life. And pretty much like, I think I want to work for signal forever, but the place is where my heart is at this point. That feels more at home than that apartment that I went back to live in. And it's just like, I, I, at this point, I really don't know anything else is how I feel. Like if I, if I left here in this lifestyle, I, I wouldn't know what to do. It'd be like starting over all over again. So I think that, yeah, I guess that pretty much sums up how I ended up here. I think you were drawn by that trip to signal mountain and seeing you know, the way those people lived and talking to them and, and that, that guy kind of scoffing, Oh yeah, I don't have those. So it was a drawing from signal mountain before you made the jump. Was there something also push? Did you feel that push away from normal life or was it just afterwards that you felt that once you returned back from the trip or the first year? So from before, before you did the trip, did you, did you feel like you were kind of out of place before or was it a realization after you had seen Signal Mountain? I think I kind of fell out of place like before I went there. It, I was still had like this awesome house in the, like right up in the national forest and could do whatever I wanted there. And there's so much hiking, but like, yeah, I, it was weird being settled down for that long. I was just so used to moving and going, and it's always something new, always something changing. Like I said, I lived I, I lived in the bus for years traveling, and before that, I lived out of my backpack and just hitchhiked everywhere I needed to go. And yeah, being housebroken and staying in one spot and working in a normal job just didn't feel right anymore. It felt so monotonous, and I think that's what made it so easy to make the jump to come work a season at Signal Mountain. What was the van experience like? It sounds, I mean, it was a, how big was it? Uh, it was a 38 foot uh, diesel dog nose bus. It's so like, you know, the bus with the hood, not the flat nose bus. And that was cool. I, I drove across the country three different times up and down the West Coast. I had like gutted most of the seats out, I had like a loft bed, couch, cabinets, tables, and um, almost always had one or two of my friends hanging out and living with me on it. I never went as far as to like build like showers or a bathroom because like I can't stand cities. So we were always just posted up in the national forest where you can camp in one spot for 14 days at a time. So if we had to go to the bathroom or take a bath, you just, you know, go pee in the bushes, dig a hole or go take a bath in the creek, wash your clothes in the creek, wash your dishes in the creek. And it's pretty much living outside. And, and it was great. It was such a free feeling like, it's like on the long stretches of highway going across the country, we're going from truck stop to rest stop. But then when I finally would get back out West where, you know, I, I need to be, or there's clean air and mountains. It was just, it seemed like normal life. The school bus was a method of transportation storage and shelter from rainstorms and snow. And if we weren't staying in the bus, we'd camp like outside and, it was great. Always had good friends nearby. We were always getting into shenanigans. And I mean, it's, it's one of the most memorable times of my life. What were funny, some of your favorite stops in the van? There's this place in Colorado that I'd always go to. A lot of people are familiar with the town Nederland, which is up the canyon from Boulder. But if you go um, a little ways outside Nederland, there's this 
little town called Eldora and you can keep driving out that till it turns into a dirt road. Yeah. We camp out there. There's like abandoned cabins and stuff. Excuse me. And, uh, you, we do this hike to this lake called lost lake and you hike through this old kind of ghost town, the old Tessie or Hesse town site. I saw my first moose out there. And then also I, I was a lot of times we were following further, like we were on further tour, which is like Bob Weir, Phil Lash. Uh, it was like the current incarnation of Grateful Dead at that time. So we'd always like go post up in the parking lot at Red Rocks in Colorado and set up shop where I'm going to be selling beers and making grilled cheese to sell and just partying and hanging out with my friends. And then other highlights. I mean, shit, there were days where I'd, I'd escape Oregon to get away from the winter and just go down to California and just have that thing parked up on a bluff overlooking the sand dunes and the ocean. And I just remember sitting there like, this is so perfect as I make breakfast on my little Coleman stove. And it, it was, it was really great. It was just a home on wheels and I could go to all my favorite places and not have to leave at the end of the day to go back home. Cause I could just go to sleep in the bus and in my bed there. And it, it was, it was really awesome. It was such a liberating feeling. Yeah, home's home's right there. You, it's traveling with you to all these cool places. You're checking out the whole country. Yeah, it was so awesome. I wish I could do it again, but I figured when I sold it, like one day after I take a break from that, I'll have money and I can buy like a a truck with a travel trailer to pull behind me or something like that, so I can get around a little easier and do it a little bit nicer. Do you have friends that you talk to that don't? live this lifestyle that sort of talk about it, like something that they can't do, but you know, you can hear, they even tell you that they'd like to, or maybe it's something that they'd like to explore, but they say, Oh, well, I couldn't, you know, sort of stuff like that. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like most of my friends, most everyone I know is here now, but like I've got people back that I, I went to school with and everything. And they're just like living, back east like in a house their girlfriend working their same job and they just can't imagine how i live this way and then i've got like you know i know people in town that live a normal life but i think they got their start a lot of them actually got their start working at signal mountain lodge so they've done it but you know i don't think i have that many friends that have the desire to do this most of them are just like pretty comfortable with the norm and just going that way which you know I'm, i can't blame them if they're comfortable if they're happy that's all that really matters because i'm comfortable and happy and that's all i mean that's pretty much all i care about as long as i'm happy everything will everything else will fall into place yeah you know if i guess if there's anybody who is like thinking out there thinking about giving everything up to come and do this and if they're nervous or worried on about what would happen i just tell them i just like just do it, it sounds hard you just got to do it just got to get rid of all the stuff you don't need and just full commit and send it like just make take the leap and come out and do it it's like it's worked out so freaking well for me and it's it's changed my life so much for the better and i've no regrets whatsoever about leaving my normal life behind to come out here and, and work for signal mountain what are some of the big lessons that you've learned from doing the seasonal lifestyle? I guess friends, you know, friends are my mo- the most important thing that I've found because 
like I'm here year round bouncing from season to season. And we got this shoulder season where everyone leaves. You'll have met somebody and bonded with them over the summer. And then they leave and you don't know if you're ever going to see them again. And you're just left at this like void or like kind of like loneliness. So I, one lesson, I guess I could said, learn is like freaking make the most out of every single moment that you got and, and do everything you can go out and live your life to the fullest, especially with your friends. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in this right now as I, I'm talking to you, I'm in this huge house overlooking the snake river and looking out at the snow capped Tetons and like I've got it made, but I'm here by myself. And if I if all my friends were here, it would mean so much more to me. Because when you have people by your side, you have someone that can share the appreciation that you're feeling in the moment. And I almost enjoy sharing a moment with somebody more than just a moment by itself or by myself. I guess another lesson that seasonal life has taught me is like, don't accumulate too much stuff. Cause especially when you have to move every six months, it's so freaking hard. Every time I have to go pack up all my stuff and decide if I really want it or um, like, Oh shit, why did, why do I have this? And that's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. I think those are probably two of the most important things. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm learning the budget, my money a little bit more. So I, I don't make that much money. Uh, in the summer working seasonally but I look at that as a a trade-off for the happiness that I achieve and the experiences that I get to make throughout the summer like I remember when I first made the decision to come out here I was talking to my dad and he was telling me like oh you know maybe it's a bad idea you're pretty stable you got a good job with health insurance and 401k I don't know if it's a good idea so much but then uh he told me what to ask my grandpa what he thought and then my grandpa was telling he's like yeah you know i've i've made a lot of money in my life and was very successful but it took until now to realize that money can't buy you happiness and i wish i could do it over again differently and he told me it's like yeah come out here like like go out there to the tetons and i was like all right that's just what i needed to hear so I did it. And then I've had family like my, my dad, my grandma's come out in here and visit. And they just like, I guess they didn't know what I was getting into when I was initially telling them what I wanted to do. And they're just blown away. They love it here. They see how happy I am. They're happy for me. And then sometimes like I, if I think about leaving here and I tell them, they're like, why would you ever leave now? Like I don't make much money, but I've pretty much got it made. Like, I've carved out like a living for myself here through, you know, that just that first season alone out here. And it's like I said earlier, it's, it's literally changed my life for much for the better. If, if I wasn't here right now, I really don't have a clue what else I'd be doing. Yeah. It sounds like it just works like this. This is uh, your environment and you're making, making a great life out of it. My grandparents, said a, a very similar thing. You know, when I, I moved up to Alaska, that's where I do my summers. And oh, cool. they they always tell people they're they're like, oh yeah, we weren't sure about it. And then we went and visited him. And it's like, it's great. We we totally get it. And you know, we want to go up there. So <laughs> <laughs> once they see it, you know, they get it. And at first, I think any new or sort of out there idea people are going to be a little hesitant about. But yeah, then they 
they see it and they see you in that life and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's, it really is. Tell me about the, the process of you getting hired at Signal Mountain. You gave me a little bit where your, your friend said, oh yeah, just name drop me and you'll get a job up there. But yeah. So yeah, we filled out the applications online, used my, our friends, our, our friend as a reference, and then we're waiting, 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 finally get calls back. My, I wanted to be in the campground really bad because the guy that I met uh, while I was out here and was talking to worked in the campground and it looked like the most chill job ever. It looked like all you do is just chill all day. They called me back and said all the campgrounds positions were full from people that were returning employees. They could definitely pencil me in as a housekeeper, which I didn't know if I wanted to do that, but I might be able to do with a courier position, which is what I do now. They were just waiting to see if the girl who did it before me was going to come back. So I'm like, you know, shit, like, all right, I'll just pencil me in for housekeeping. Even though in the back of my head, I knew I wasn't going to go if I, I had to do that. And, you know, not to talk down on any housekeepers. I just wasn't trying to do that. And I'm waiting. And then like, I'm waiting for my manager to get back uh, to to give the approval because he interviews all his people specifically by himself through video chat. And, um, you know, and waiting here if the girl that did it before me was going to come back or not. And finally, I get an interview um, with my, my manager, Danny, and went great. I was like coached up. I, I thought it went well. And I had to itch my eye. and. I tried to hide it because I, I have like tattoos on my hands, like a Grateful Dead song and some lightning bolts. But I guess he caught it. And then the HR manager called me back. I was like, well, you know, you know, Danny really likes you. Thinks you're a great guy. We just don't know if we can hire you with the tattoos on your hands. Just want to make sure there's not like any like naked women tattooed on you anywhere visibly or anything like that. And it's like, no, no, you know, just told us like, yeah, it's a Grateful Dead tattoo on my knuckles. And she's like, all right, well. I think we're going to have to call our uh, general manager, Jason Ryan, and get his approval, see what he thinks. So it might be a couple days till we get back to you, but uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm like, shit, I got off the phone. My heart sunk. My girlfriend was like, oh, congratulations. You just fucked up your life because of some decision you made when you were 19. I was like, oh, man, this, this sucks. I'm, like, this is, now I'm either not going to have to go out there or, or something and then I get a call back and like five minutes and I was expecting days or not to get a call back at all and she's like yeah I just talked to just got off the phone with our manager Jason Ryan turns out he's a huge dead fan and he says just bring him on board so it was like the best feeling ever that's when I like I knew I was going and it, it felt so freaking good and uh yeah it was awesome and that's how I ended up here well, Cooper, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been really cool talking to you. Oh, yeah. Same, man. This, this, was, this was really great. Being able to share these stories and talking to you. And uh, yeah, this has been cool. So thanks for having me. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.